Hey guys, it is your host Jason Coral with Whatsoever is True. We're going to jump right into it like we always do because I'm trying to make sure that we stay focused and we make the best use of your time. Today's subject is how come people don't want to talk about hell? Right. How come how come it's just it's just an uncomfortable subject and and uh, don't be don't be talking about hell and how God's going to cast everybody to hell. All that, all that sort of thing. Um let's let's talk about that that right there here's one that i it's just i just saw this comment on social media about the pope coming out in support of civil unions for 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 gays and and you know the, the obligatory banter going back and forth and one person says no sin is worse than another jesus loves us all he just doesn't like sin love the sinner hate the sin stop judging Okay, uh, her name is Jennifer. I'm not going to give you her full name. But Jennifer is uh, committing a grievous biblical fallacy. And that is that Jesus hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Uh, what is he, who does he cast into hell? Just the sin or the sinner? It's stupid. I'm sorry. I've got to be bold. You know, Paul, Paul gets into it with Galatians and he says, I, I wish these Judaizers would just go emasculate themselves. He uses very strong language because he's got to get a point across. So I need to get this point across. Jesus doesn't cast his sin into hell. He casts you into hell if you don't repent of your sin. Of all of the scripture, do you know who talks about hell the most? Jesus. It would make sense because, well, he would know because he's God. And stop serving an idol, Jennifer. Jesus Christ hate sin, which is why there is a cross, because sin needs to be atoned by a death. Yours or Jesus. That's it. So here we go. Let's take a look at the scriptural thing about this, where Jesus says, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. It'll be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. What's the, what does he mean, awake? That means living biblically. That means not believing daft, irrational nonsense like, Jesus loves the sinner but hates the sin. So you shouldn't judge. Jennifer, you just did. That was called a judgment, Jennifer. You can't escape it. The Bible doesn't tell you judge not. It says judge with righteous judgment. Don't judge falsely. Judge according to biblical precepts. <sighs> anyway, dress for action. So truly, I say to you, he says, this is, this is Luke chapter 12. I picked it up in verse 35. He will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. Oh, how amazing that is. If he comes in a second watch or in a third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. You know what blessed means? Ladies and gentlemen, to be prosperous, envied, desired, uh, again, pleasing to God. That's the goal of Christian living, blessedness. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he wouldn't have left his house to be broken into. So be ready. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, you might look at the second coming and think, well, you know, that won't happen in my lifetime. And the odds are it won't. The odds are that it won't. It might. But I tell you what will happen. 
One way or the other, you're going to him, that means you're dead, or he's coming to you, that means second coming. Okay? So, stage rest for action. And later, he, he extrapolates on this. He says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, Well, my master is delayed in coming, and he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he doesn't expect him, and in an hour he doesn't know. Are you ready for this? This is, this is, this is Luke chapter 12. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. He doesn't say he will cut his sin in pieces. <laughs> He'd be fine. Cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready when we're going back to say dress for action or act according to his will, he will receive a severe beating. Who will receive a beating? The sin or the sinner? But the one who didn't know and did what deserved the beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it was already kindled. Because, yeah, he hates sin. That's true. I have a baptism to be baptized with. That's his crucifixion. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. So the completion of his work. That's referencing John 19.30 when he says it's done, it's completed. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What's the dividing line? Jesus Christ in the word of God. Jesus Christ hates sin. Yep, uh-huh. He's going to punish the sinners to do the sin. So, interestingly enough, he says... He goes in and he says, so he says to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower's coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of a sky? Hmm. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? See, the, the, ladies and gentlemen, this is the point which is don't judge. Stop judging. He says right here, and they take, they take a scripture out of context. Judge not, lest ye be judged. He's talking about hypocritical judgment. Right here in Luke chapter 12, verse 57, Why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Now, the Bible is literally the Word of God, which means it's literature. <laughs> and so he's using literary techniques. Right here, he's using an analogy to say, you're going to the judge. You're going to die. You're going to stand before the righteous, sovereign creator of the universe. And he's going to demand an account. And if you say, well, now, I didn't really sin that bad, you're calling him a liar. 
So he's telling you, settle out of court now at the cross of Jesus Christ before it's too late. And then, interestingly, chapter 13 begins. It says, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I think that's a good question, right? That's a good question. I can see myself asking that question. The answer is unsettling. Here comes your, your non-namby-pamby, sissified, needy Jesus that, that the women and believers, uh, people like Jennifer, think is out there. He says, no. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Of those 18 on whom the tower fell and killed, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jeez, I mean, this is frightening stuff. That's what it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the line here, little Jennifer says, no sin is worse than another. Jesus loves us all. Then what did he die on the cross for? He just doesn't like sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin, stop judging. <sighs> so, why do we not want to talk about hell? Because we don't want to talk about judgment. Why do we not want to talk about judgment? Because we're sinners. We want to convince ourselves, and Ecclesiastes says literally, that because the judgment against an evil deed isn't executed right now, we convince ourselves we're getting away with it. You know, the old, the old meme, guy fall, jumps off the, a, a tall building, halfway down, somebody's leaning out the window, and he says, how you doing? And he says, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah, it's a sudden stop at the bottom that stinks. But the issue here is that we want to talk about Jesus and God and love, but we never want to talk about sin and judgment. But that's exactly what Jesus was here for. He, either, he is either going to eradicate sin and the penalty of sin at the cross, or we are going to bear that ourselves. That's the key. So don't let's not mince words about this again. Jesus Christ is not a namby-pamby, sissified deity. He is the sovereign God of the universe, and he's going to punish sinners in hell for eternity. If they don't repent. And it's, un it's an uncomfortable truth, but it's God's truth. You can't speak of Jesus without speaking of, of the cross. Why would he go to the cross if sin wasn't such a big deal? That's the, that's the issue before us. So, I know this isn't a popular subject. It's not a popular subject because people want to deny the obvious. They want to say, I'm getting away with it. God is not so righteous as he says. And I'm not so evil as the Bible tells me. Well, <clears throat> you're calling God a liar. Because Romans 3, right? There is none righteous. No, not one. None seeks after God. They've all gone astray. Picking up the, the line from Psalm 53, right? The Bible everywhere says that mankind has a serious sin problem. Our righteous deeds 
Uh, even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. And do you, do you know in Isaiah when he says filthy rags, incidentally, for you, uh, don't be namby-pamby about this because the Bible isn't. He literally compares that, not just filthy rags like um, you, you clean the sink with it. He means like a, a menstrual rag. That's, that's what the Bible calls man's righteous deeds. There's only one righteous, Jesus Christ. There's only one completely unfair, unjust act ever on the planet Earth, and that was the crucifixion of the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so this, all of this, this, this wishful thinking that we can just love ourselves into the kingdom of heaven without really repenting of sin, and that there's no real hell, and God doesn't punish actual sinners. He just hates this sin, is simply the fanciful musings of deluded sinners. And we need to be serious about this because this is a very serious issue. The stakes are life or death, eternal life or death. How do I know? Well, the, the, let, me, let me go back. Somebody says, well, I don't have to agree with that. Well, then how do you make sense of life? How do you make sense of the fact that you didn't do anything to be born? You were called into existence. How do you do anything about the fact that you're going to die and everybody dies? Only one religious a religion or philosophy makes sense of those two things. Where did everything come from? And why is there death? That cor- corresponds to the biblical record of everything came from because God called it into existence. Why is there death? Because man's sin, it's the punishment upon sin. Every other philosophy just starts midstream. It takes death for granted and just starts moving. Everything just is here and there's just, there's just death. It just is. Only Christianity makes sense of those two foundational points. So this is what I mean by saying, if you go, well, no, there's no hell. Well, uh, God says there's hell. I just spent almost an entire chapter reading to you of Jesus talking about hell. And so if you want to deny that and say, well, the Bible says thou shalt not judge, you're taking the Lord's words completely out of context. I've spoken in another podcast about this very issue where people try to take the, the, the words of the Lord or the words of Scripture and twist them to fit their meaning. But if there is no hell, why would there be a cross? If there is no hell, why does Jesus talk about it all the time? This is the sword. This is the division that he brought with him. And if you don't think that, that, that judgment is going to be bad, again, why are you going to die? Now, you may be listening to this and you're 20 years old. You Maybe you're in the prime of your life. Maybe you're older. Maybe you're sick. I've got to tell you, and it's the most loving thing I can do, is someday, I guarantee it, you're going to die. There's no way out. And the most loving thing anyone can say to you is turn to Jesus now while there's still time. And when the Bible calls something sin, it's telling you that God hates that. And therefore, God will hate the sinner who does that. But there is a propitiation for that sinner in Christ the righteous. And you will either see him as your savior, my friend, or you will face him as your judge. And once again, my proof of this is that you're going to die. So think about this. No other philosophy makes sense of this. It just avoids the question. Like all criminals do. Criminals don't want to talk about where they were last night, right? They don't want to have an interview with the police. That's why sinners don't want to talk about sin and judgment. Why do they not want to talk about it? Because they're trying to suppress the obvious. That's why we use euphemisms. He passed away. He's dead. 
<laughs> and he's dead because he was a sinner. And sin, the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that. He passed away. He's gone to a better place. Was he saved? If not, then he wasn't. He's not gone to a better place. So we want to lie to ourselves. And so, yeah, the Jennifers of the world, and I don't mean to be terrible, I don't want to be crude, but I've got to say this because these things that she, they're saying are really dangerous. Okay, the Bible condemns sin. And it tells sinners to repent, turn away from sin. Oh, so... And I, there's another comment. I'll just, I'll just give you a quick idea of some of the nonsense that's out there. This other guy said that, oh, LOL, about, about this thread about the Pope and, and people bickering back and forth about whether it, it, there's really such a thing as sin. And this guy, David, he says, y'all have your lives controlled by your imaginary sky daddy. And those angry now, you want to control others' lives. Interesting. Is he trying to control our lives with his argumentation? And he goes on, stop and think. Or is critical thinking not in your nature? Okay, no one says sky daddy. Because the thing is, it's up to him right now to say, well, where did everything come from and why is there death? Critical thinking. Why is critical thinking necessary? Because the devil is a liar and is a liar from the beginning. The Bible makes sense of why there's lies and confusion. Why, David... I have to ask him, why are these things out there? Why are there lies? Why do we have to apply critical thinking to arrive at the truth? Why is there truth and falsehood? Remember, the Bible gives validity to these categories of thought. No other worldview makes sense of what he just said. And then he posits a straw man argument, Sky Daddy. We're not calling him Sky Daddy. We're calling him a sovereign creator. I pray for David, but he is literally in huge trouble. Dave, men, men like David men like, and women like Jennifer who are running through life calling God a liar, taking, and, uh, taking his sunshine and his blessings on this earth and not thanking them for him, not thanking him for them, are like somebody going into pr uh, the gym when Prime Mike Tyson was working out, walking up to the ring and saying, you suck, dude, you're terrible. I'll beat you any day of the week. And then having the audacity to climb in the ring with him. Ladies and gentlemen, they're going to take a temporal beatdown from a temporal Mike Tyson. It would be ugly. Well, how much worse is it, as Hebrews says? It's a frightening thing to fall into the hands of living God. You're going to give an account, David. I pray for you, sir. But what he just said makes no sense. Y'all have your lives controlled? What's controlling you? Your genetics? That's what they're saying about gays. They're saying, well, they can't help themselves. That's what they're doing. Well, David, then I can't help myself. I'm just a Christian bigot. I can use the same argument. You see, the, the categories of thought, the principles that are governing the Davids and the Jennifers, cannot be applied uniformly. That's another indication of how you know they're wrong. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, how do I know that Christianity is right? I'm providing that for you. Literally, the impossibility of the contrary. There is no way that you can be consistent with the principles of thought of the Davids and the Jennifers of the world. So, all of that said, I, 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 I pray for them and I pray for our country. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ comes. I pray that, that the Lord's will be done. I pray for mercy 
Um, as I have had mercy, I pray for mercy upon them. But part of my job as an evangelist, part of my job as a Bible teacher, is to make sure in love that I bring the good news of the gospel. But I can't bring the good news without bringing the bad news about the judgment on sin. To separate those is to, is to tell God what to do. This is not Jason's gospel. This is not the pod, this podcast's gospel. This is the gospel of God. God defines the terms, not me, not you. That's what these people are doing. But do remember all conflicts and all disagreements are rooted in the same foundation, a conflict of authority, what's ultimately true. So there we have it. We just pray that the Lord has mercy in us all. And uh, why do we not want to talk about sin and death and judgment? Because we want to keep getting away with being a sinner. We want to con convince ourselves that there is no such thing as judgment. Therefore, I can create God in my own image. And God thinks I'm pretty cool. Maybe slightly flawed, but pretty cool. And so therefore, I don't need all this talk of propitiation and, and sacrifice. So I'm an idolater if I do that. So we pray that that's not so. And I pray that this, this podcast has helped you understand the biblical principles of sin and judgment and why Jesus Christ went to the cross and what it means that he did that for your sin and my sin and what it means that he's, ris that he's risen. Have faith in him. Repent of your sin. And don't fall for this nonsense that God loves the sinner but hates the sin. That's an absolute and utter nonsense. He doesn't cast the sin into hell. He casts the sinner into hell. I don't believe that nonsense. And do turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's time today. Today is a day of salvation. And I pray that that's the case for you, for you and for me and for all my listeners. In Christ's name, I pray all of it. Hope this was edifying. Catch you guys next time.